Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number 140 and 7, not 140 and 11. And I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin, joined by... Alex the Jedi... Je- Alex the Jedi... Alex the Jedi... Jed- blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and... <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's Alex the Jedi, blah, 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 and... <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Can we get some actual names here real quick, though? Anna Bernarski. This will be... Yes, That's this will be somebody's first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Anna Bernarski and Alex Jedrzak, not in that order. And of course, once again, I am Joseph Martin, in case you forgot what real names sound like. <laughs> um, between blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, here I thought you were making fun of Jedrzak and Bernarski. I noticed that that could be one of the interpretations as I was saying it, and I quickly made to cl- sure to clarify that that's not Polish what I meant. I know those Polish last names are pretty difficult, but... Yeah. I wasn't going to call out your names, though, to be fair, my name is the most boring name that you could possibly have after John Smith. Yeah. Joe Martin. <laughs> um, oh, man. So this is... Hmm? Oh, no, I was just going to... I was just thinking about Martin Joseph. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> video games are pieces of media entertainment that you can play in addition to just watching but what you may know is that you can also watch things about video games uh directly you may even say Uh, i think it is imprudent prudent i don't know what i was going with the m there um we should talk about the Nintendo Direct that happened earlier. Okay. There were lots of video games that everyone on this podcast was super excited for and can remember, right? <clears throat> sure. <laughs> Jetty, what's your favorite game that was mentioned in the Nintendo Direct? Uh, the only one that I even remember uh, is Tales from the Borderlands, which uh, I'm a fan of Borderlands, and it's like a uh, adventure game, point-and-click adventure. So I'm excited. I uh, have you. Has it come out in other platforms, or is this like the, yeah, actually, the release? No, it, it's been out for actually quite a while. Um, but I don't know for some reason I never got around to actually sitting down and buying it. But um, now that it's going to be available on the Switch, I'm a little more interested in getting back to it. I'm a. I'm not a huge fan of Steam as a, a business, um, so I prefer to buy mm-hmm. on Nintendo. I just worry that it won't work on my seven-year-old computer, and I mm-hmm. know video games will work on my three-year-old Switch, so I That's just sort of point. stick with that. <laughs> um, the games that I remember that stuck out to me, well, first of all, we had the Smash reveal, uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 double character um, that Diana was very excited about, I and am. no one else, everyone else was upset, apparently, on Twitter. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, well, because it's an anime sword fighter. Oh, yeah, everyone hates the sword people. Yeah, like, honestly, for me, it was more, like, specifically Fire Emblem, because all the Fire Emblem sword fighters kind of fought the same way. I feel like... Is this another... hmm. I mean, I didn't look too closely, because I've never played uh, Xenoblade... Is it another thing like uh, the Dragon Quest ones, where the hero is technically just one character... But you get all four of them? No, 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 no. It's two distinct characters from the video game Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Okay, like, yeah. Char- specific characters. It's 
from the second game. Well, yeah, um, but I didn't know if they were the, like in the same way that the Dragon Quest hero, you get four heroes, but no, it's technically no. one option. No, I, I don't know. Like you can switch between them and like that has some sort of basis in the game. Like it's not just, mm. t- I don't think it's just two different characters. I okay. think like the fact that you can, that they can switch between each other has some like connection to the video game that they come from. I don't know what. <laughs> I just remember that they are technically swords and not people. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Rocks that turn into swords. Rocks that turn into women in ways that make some people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the extent that I know. I think we can talk to Diana about it more once Diana is on the podcast and once the character is out uh, later in March. The other things I remember, uh, the sequel, the spiritual sequel, the thematic, the aesthetic sequel to Octopath Traveler, Triangle Strategy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which, like, it seems like they did it on purpose, right? Project Triangle Strategy. I do like so much that, like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, it should be Project Triangle Strategy, but it's not. <laughs> it's Project Triangle Strategy strategy so it's a tactical <laughs> rpg so like final fantasy tactics more like fire emblem-esque stuff yeah. to my impression with a focus on like making decisions that have like you know do you believe i don't remember what the categories are but like do you believe in truth ideals or passion or something like that I uh, like three characteristics that yeah. don't really mean anything yeah. and it's kind of can just be whatever the game wants it to be yeah. so that you can't just pick this like it wants to try to trick you into you should pick what you really believe and then everyone's going to be like I want to pick the one that makes me interact with the character that I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't know like Anna you played Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet though. Have you seen that did you get a good my question is, and maybe you can answer it, or maybe you can't, was if there seemed to be any connection between the two games beyond the fact that they're made by the same people, have the same weird naming strategy, and, like, clearly the same artistic style. But, like, in terms of, like, characters or anything like that, was there any connection that you could see? I saw nothing. I'm really sorry. You were you <laughs> oh. just you were kept asking I mean, questions, and I'm just like I didn't watch any of this. I I have a it's a I have a feeling that it's like they they paid programmers uh you know several thousand dollars to develop this graphical system. We're using it in another game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds. Like well, I didn't know if maybe sense. there'd be like a connection like Final Fantasy games. You know, there's not necessarily a. Th- plot thread that goes through all final fantasy but there are yeah there's common and elements there's and, SIDs and continuous yeah. references and stuff like that yeah. i didn't know maybe it'll be something like that or maybe it'll be like you said like they just developed an engine <laughs> and now they're just going to make games in that engine yeah. and hope that people jump into them just because oh i remember that that was like a game that i played even if the underlying game has nothing to do with it that's basically a, a different thing with that is like a lot of the Mega Man games. I'm going to bring <laughs> Mega Man in just immediately now. I'm going to talk about it later, so there's no point in holding it off. Um, like Mega Man Legends and Mega Man Battle Network, like don't real like there are very very loose 
connections narratively, but like practically speaking, there's like no relation between the games. <laughs> They're just completely different games with completely different characters that just have some naming similarities. <laughs> but like, if you like, you know, classic Mega Man jump and shoot, are you going to like Battle Network where you like do these weird RPG battles where you throw chips around and yeah. spend a lot of the time just walking around talking to anime characters? Yeah. So it kind of felt, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Next that I can remember, uh, Skyward Sword porting to the Switch. There are a lot of people in one of my Facebook groups that, that are just really salty about this. They, they're just upset. <laughs> they're just like, why Why would we want this 10-year-old game for $10 more than it was when it came out? <laughs> I was like, dang. Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand. What I don't understand is I feel like we did the exact same thing with Wind Waker HD, but everyone was jazzed about it, and I don't understand why it's different now. Uh, no one liked Skyward Sword, apparently. No, um, I don't, I don't But know, people man. like Skyward Sword. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it just, I, I, like, I see what you're, like, that's, I didn't think that this time was Skyward Sword because I thought that last time with Wind Waker and everyone was like, no, we're actually really excited about this. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's fine then with people. And now we're getting to Skyward Sword. It's like, this feels like the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't understand it. It's, it, to me, it's like one of those things where it's like charging too much for a thing. It's like, I don't know. It, people will pay for it. They're charging what people will pay for it. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. To a certain extent, that's just like when people say, well, look at this collection with these games and look at how much, you know, they did with Crash and Spyro. I'm like, yes, absolutely, completely agree. But no one was going to buy the games if they weren't like that. Or no one was going to buy them at that price for sure mm -hmm. if they weren't like that. But people will buy Nintendo games like that. I mean, yeah. Nintendo games hold their value. There is, whether or not you agree with it, there is a cultural expectation of quality with, you know, Nintendo first-party games that just can maintain that image and that value in the eyes of people. And I don't know if you can really fight that. Because all it leads to is get people getting mad at people for buying a game that they wanted to play. Yep. <laughs> it's like, why would you buy this? Now, I can't buy it because you're making games cost more. It's like, that's... I don't feel like that ever ends up being productive. If people, people will buy it if they want it and they won't if they won't. And like, I don't know, like to a certain extent as a business decision, even though I'm happy for the people who are happy for it, I also question like this game doesn't really feel that old and it doesn't necessarily, aside from getting, adding the non-motion control strategy, which is like good, well overdue, major issue with the first game, both in terms of, you know, the motion control wasn't really up to snuff of what the game was developed around and also, you know, accessibility issues that come with motion controls in general. But aside from that, like, you know, every time you modernize a game, there's diminishing returns. So like, how much better is it going to look? I think it does look better, but it's going to be a lot more marginal than Wind Waker was. Like Wind Waker, you can 
easily tell that the game looks a lot better on Wii U. <laughs> um, the the difference is not as apparent going from GameCube to Wii U is a bigger jump than Wii to Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now again, though, there's a lot of people who'd be like, "Hey, I can play Skyward Sword wherever I want now." <laughs> like that's an appeal with pretty, porting pretty much any game to the Switch is you can play it literally wherever you want. I get to play video games in my bed, and I don't have to, like, hook up the TV. I can just keep my TV as a second monitor that I use to look at the Audacity waveform as I'm recording a <laughs> podcast. It's great. I don't know. Do you guys have any other opinions? I feel like I talked about Skyward Sword a lot just now. Um, Isn't that the one where you have to, like, wave the thing around? Yes. Yes. Does so this is... Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, I guess... I mean, I know that there is, like, some functionality of that in the Joy-Con, but I don't think it's quite to the same level as it was on the Wii. Um, I don't know. Joy, the Joy-Con's motion controls are pretty good, and like they'll they'll have the motion on there. But then they're also um right. They also said that they're gonna have the button controls, the non-motion controls, where you point the control stick, the non-walking control stick, in a certain direction while you slash, and um that will that will determine the direction of your slash because the game is built around you being able to slash your sword in different directions based on the motion controls. My yeah. theory is that right it was developed with the Wii Motion Plus which um made the motion control of the Wii remote better. Yeah. Um I think there's roll pitch in yaw and the the sensor in the plain Wii remote only had two I forget. I think it's just roll and pitch, and the Wii Motion Plus can do yaw, interesting, or something like that. Um, I don't remember which one, um, but I still think that like when they were developing Skyward Sword, they were promised better technology than the Wii Motion Plus actually delivered, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the stuff that the game was built around didn't end up being yeah, feasible. Yeah, I, I remember in the way that they originally yeah, designed. I, I remember complaints at the time. So. We'll see. I mean, if people will buy it, they'll buy it. And if they, they don't, they won't. Or they won't, they don't. I don't know. Words have meaning, probably. But who's really to say? Um, And then the last thing of my interest, though there's, there's plenty of other stuff. And if you're excited for that, good for you. Um, But the last <laughs> thing that I can remember, at least, was uh the um the Splatoon 3 announcement. Which is interesting. Because Splatoon 2 also came out on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm not upset. Like, I think it's cool. I never played any of the Splatoon games, but I, I've always been interested in them. The community that it's sort of, especially in Miiverse, Splatoon and Miiverse were like peas in a pod. Like, that was probably the most mileage for a game they got out of Miiverse was with the original Splatoon. Um... And Splatoon 2 seemed like it was pretty popular, and now they're bringing in Splatoon 3. And I'm curious what they're going to do with that. Is it just going to be, like, a better Splatoon 2? Because usually that works better when you're moving to a different console. And to be fair, the game's not coming out until uh, next year, 2022. So maybe by then there will be some, like, beefed-up model of the Switch that Splatoon 2 can, like, take advantage of. or, Or Splatoon 3, rather. Um, Splatoon, right? You have <laughs> Splatoon, Splatoon, yeah. and Splatoon. Yeah, no, I, I saw your Twitter post. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was good Twitter post. Yeah, it you, was you, good. Your Twitter... And it's definitely the only person who's ever made that joke. Um, 
But yeah, Anna, you said you played some of Splatoon 2, right? Some of it, not very much. I'm not very good at the game. Did you play like the single player or the multiplayer? Uh, single or... player. That's the thing I'm interested in too. Like, there's a, there is like an underlying lore and story to Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very classic, like, oh, humanity died and got replaced by the Splatoon creatures. And that's why there's the Splatoon creatures. And that's why the building is upside down mm-hmm. in the opening of Splatoon 3. Though I've heard people say that it is not the Eiffel Tower. It is like the Las Vegas Tower that looks like the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> or maybe it's a tower from one of the in-game cities. And like, this is even further in the future than you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to know if like you can just jump into Splatoon 3 without knowing any of the rest of the lore. Or if I'm going to have to, like, watch video. I don't feel like I should ju- buy Splatoon 1 and 2 just to play the single player mode. Because it's not what the game is, like, built around. And there's not going to be people playing the multiplayer modes. Because they're all going to be playing Splatoon 3. So, I'm curious how that will bear out. I'm sure I'll ask some people and get some opinions on that once it is relevant. Or maybe if you have an opinion about it that you would like to share with me, Joseph Martin... You can comment in some fashion on iTunes or the Discord or Twitter or something. You can figure it out. I have plenty of ways to be contacted about video games. Yeah, we... Uh, you can tell other people on the staff about video games, too. You don't have to just do it to me. Yeah, I was going to say, if you come into the uh, the Discord, there's plenty of people who are talking about video games. Mm-hmm. Anna, what would you want people to tell you about video games? Um... Just good things about video games. I don't want to hear. Like what? I don't want to hear news. No, that's a lie. Um, I don't know. I'll listen to anything, but I probably won't respond to every single thing. I don't keep up with a lot of gaming news, so I don't know what's going on half the time. Uh, everyone else seems to know. What if they wanted to talk to you about Hades? Uh, absolutely. Somebody could definitely talk to me about Hades. Hey Jenny, have you played Hades? <laughs> I have. It's been a little bit, but um I continue like every once in a while like it keeps rolling through is that not 100% of my uh the people I follow on Twitter have played it. Mm-hmm. So like I'll get these waves where someone's like, "Hey, is Hades a good game? I'm thinking about checking it out." And then just for like a month just nothing but Hades from that person. Yep. And then they start to fade away. And then it, the, the the torch is passed to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that seems like how it's going on my Twitter feed as well. I'll make sure that when I eventually play Hades in time for the year middle year end awards, yeah, um, this year I'll make sure to tweet a lot about it so that the cycle can continue for you, Jetty. Yes, thank you. So, Hades, uh, I talked. I, I gave a full rundown last month about Hades. Uh so Oh yeah, I listened to that. So um on the Game Cola podcast? On the, yeah, you listen I, to on that? Yeah. I, I listened to it, it on, on YouTube on, on YouTube mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That way that way I could listen to it at double speed. Mm. No offense. Well we do get less watch time for that. Full but offense. Do you? I appreciate okay. it anyway. Yeah, I tested it out once. Interesting. I um, tend to basically only watch things on YouTube at double speed unless it's like music. <laughs> Unless music is involved. I I watch the opening of the Game Cola podcast where you play uh, Five is Average by Mateo Javier. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I watch that at normal speed. And then after that's done, as soon as I hear you start speaking, Joe, <laughs> I speed it up. You don't even want to hear my joke at normal speed. The whole rhythm of it is focused on that particular cadence of speed. I can't imagine that I am the least bit intelligible <laughs> at double speed. <laughs> anyway, Anna, you are saying things about the video game Hades on our video game podcast, which is definitely about video games. Yes, so, um, Hades. I have made progress in the game. Uh, spoiler alert, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten Hades down once, but then he did the thing that I hate, especially in Pokemon where all their health just comes back. And I knew it yep. was coming, but I was still upset. <laughs> pretty sure yep. um pretty sure I texted Cam right after that happened and I was like, well, I think I have to give up on this game forever. I am getting better at the game. Uh I still cannot stand the Elysium fight. I can't stand the satyrs. Or the poison rats on oh, the yeah, yeah, surface yeah. level. That sucks. I still love Cerberus. I'll never not love Cerberus. <laughs> but I, there's an item you can get. When you beat the Elysium fight for the first time with a weapon, because it, this only happens once <laughs> per weapon, you, you have to, like, if you've already gotten it with the spear, you have to go back with something else yeah, to get the this sword item or again. The bow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, called Ambrosia. And, Throughout the game, you can give people nectar that you find, and it makes them like you more. And so I gave my only bottle of ambrosia that I had that I didn't trade to my edgy death boyfriend, <laughs> uh, Thanatos. And I think I'm getting close to getting uh, getting a kiss, so I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited yeah. for that, but uh, no, uh... That was one aspect of the game I wasn't expecting when I started playing it. I was like, oh, this is almost a dating sim now. Pretty cool. Yeah, I do like that they explore a lot of different types of uh, relationships with that. Because, like, it's not just about dating, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I don't know how, how many, like, how many ambroges you've given away or anything. One. <laughs> that would you, oh, you just had the one? I just had the one. Yeah, there gets to be a point late in the game where it's like, how can I hold all these ambrosia? Um, like, <laughs> you you start getting so many as you just like plow through. Oh, yeah, because you haven't opened the, uh, what was it the pact of punishment? Yes. Yeah. Um, there starts to be a point where you're just like plowing through, and every single time you're just getting full up on all these things. Um, you're trying to figure out how to spend all of your uh bloods or whatever titan bloods mm -hmm. um but yeah uh i th think i got everybody except for hypnos only because you had to do something stupid and specific to get his to trigger and then uh by the time that I did, some other story was going, and the other things to keep it continuing weren't triggering because it was tripped up by some other story element. Mm -hmm. Um, I so I ended up actually giving up, which I'm disappointed about because he's my favorite character. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, but to say that I I played I played like three months straight of that game, like 
October through January or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is a very good game. I would suggest it. I guess here's the thing is for me, well, here, Anna, I guess how many, how many runs have you made? I think I've done 50 some, like 55 at okay, this point. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the thing is I enjoyed the game, but it only took me like 35 for my first time that I actually like defeated Hades and got out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't know that I would have enjoyed the game as much if it was like what I've read some people on Twitter who are like, oh yeah, I've done a hundred runs. I think I'm getting close to <laughs> beating Hades. And I'm like, you, you like the game that much, <laughs> even though you're not really getting anywhere. Like, no, no offense, but like, I feel like you're limiting what you can do in the story if you're not getting further, you know? Right. Um, and are uh, you playing? I know that there's the mode where, like, every time you die, you get, like, a defense buff. Um, have you guys been using that or not? Is that a thing? I... Apparently, I've heard it. Don't know what that I, means. I don't remember. Is there, like, an easy mode and a hard mode? I think I'm just playing there normal. Was, there was, like, some god mode setting or something oh. like that. Or, like, demigod mode. Where every time you die, you get a defense buff. So you're always getting better every single time you die. <laughs> um, Interesting. I have not been playing God Mode at all. I've heard about it a few I don't, times. It's just something I've heard. I've not played it at all. I thought that, that might, for anyone listening, that might be pertinent information in terms of like how many runs it took you to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would yeah, definitely say if, if, there, if there is a way to make the game easier, it's worth... Like, I'm not going to see you and be like, no, you, you're just not good enough you don't deserve to play the game like go go play the game on easy mode like go play the game on some mode that just lets you not take damage just play it for fun mode yeah it's fun just to get the stories and stuff like to meet everybody to keep talking to uh artemis and hearing about her having fun on hunts or whatever i I just always love talking to her (laughs) i love all of them so good dionysus just... Dionysus is one of my favorites to talk to. He's great. Um, yeah, no, like, play it in some manner, whichever manner you find most fun, because it is quite a fun game, an enjoyable story. Pet the dog every time you get back. Every time. <laughs> and if you don't, you're a fake fan. Um, <laughs> That's Anna's one gatekeep. My one gatekeep. <laughs> if you don't pet Cerberus, Everybody you're gets a one. fake fan. Please do not take me seriously and do not yell at me. I do not take yelling well. But there's a lot more story to it than I was expecting. Yeah, um, there's a surprising amount. Even after you beat the game and even after you get the credits for the game. Right. uh, Like, there's a lot of spoken dialogue, like a surprising amount. Mm -hmm. um, That, like, again, I've made over a hundred runs after escaping and after beating the game and they're still talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like listening to episodes of the Game Cola podcast. Oh. Yeah, but um ching. They're um, still talking to me. <laughs> they will not the stop. And you're um, right, we won't. So you think they're gonna make a Hades too? I hope not. <laughs> I feel like yeah, that's not necessary. I, I, yeah, I've I've had that thought myself that like 
number one, I, of my knowledge of the development, they already have just extended the storyline that originally it ended at one point and then it ended after you defeated Hades and then it ended after the things that happened after that. And so if they were to make a Hades 2, I think they would actually just make, well, here's another storyline after you've done this many runs and triggered this many events, another you know critical path comes up that uh, lets you continue the story. We've just added another five hours worth of dialogue or whatever. <laughs> um, and I, I guess that's the thing is, would it be fun and interesting if they did try to make a new game? Like, just go make a different game at that point. Right. I mean, I feel like that's probably what's going to happen, right? Because this, this developer, I forget their name. Super yeah, Supergiant Giant Games. Games. Supergiant Games, yeah. They they tend to, like, jump around and, like, they have, like, a distinct style, I would say. But at the same time, like, each game is, like, clearly different. But also, like, you can there's, like, a vibe that you get from the game. Like, Bastion is one Yeah, well, I, I was seen, just like, going to say Hades is, like, Bastion 4. Because... Um, <laughs> uh, I was also playing, I never actually beat it, um, Transistor, it's not, it's more linear than Hades, it's not like, oh, a, a roguelike kind of sort of game where, like, you keep going back in through the dungeon again and again, it's like, you go through, but it's the same play style, it's the same battle system, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and the same, like, storytelling methods, um, just a completely different story, which I like, and actually I should probably get back to, but yeah, like, Transistor is Bastion 3 or whatever. Um. <laughs> you also have to, because I feel like this is the most successful game that they've had, right? Like, Hades is blown up. Um, I'm sure that, like... Bastion was big in its own right at the time that it came out. Right. Um, but this right. this is, like, that, that peak uh, crossing point of their capabilities as a developer, their uh, standing... As a developer, because, like, they weren't really known when Bastion came out, you know? So, like, they're just coming right. out with this game that's good. And only people who are interested in, you know, quote, indie games uh, would play a game like that at the time. But now, like, they're a, uh, not really a triple-A, but, like, a triple-A indie, you know? Yeah. Um, right, right. So they, they've got that that crossing point of good game, budget, and uh, fan base, that let it explode this time. Right. Cause I would say that Bastion was like, it was very good. Yeah. Um, but like it also like, you know, it felt there was budget like, yeah. in there, right? <laughs> like the art was really like, there was a lot of effort put into the art, but like there were, there was one voice actor <laughs> and then some, a little bit of incidental that is a little spoilery that I won't go into mm-hmm. detail of, but like, it's really just one guy. Yeah. Um, and he says a lot, but like, you know, there's, it's a really well done indie game, but it still feels like on the order of an indie game. Cause that's probably what they had the budget for yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and Hades, like you said, like, it's not only like well received, but like the people who worked on Hades can like really put that on their resume as like, look at this, look at this thing that we've done. Yeah. Like, and like when they're, I don't know, from a like a networking and like really solidifying themselves in the industry, like they've clearly not only put a lot into this game, but did it in a way that worked. Yeah. And you know, meshed together. Like there's a ton of dialogue, but it doesn't get like like you could just 
have the developers sit down for 50 hours and just <laughs> talk about stuff. You could take clips of the Game Cola podcast and put them in your video game. And that would have a lot of dialogue. It would also be very interesting to me personally, but probably most people would even who are into the novelty of it would be like, you know what? I'm getting a little tired of the fact that these people are clearly not talking about anything related to the actual video game that this dialogue is in. Oh, I, I thought it was so, going to be one of those where, like, uh, they cut up Obama speeches since he has, like, such a wide uh, range of speeches and have him, like, you know, say, say famous anything. movie lines or whatever or, like, sing a song. You could absolutely <laughs> do that with the Game Call podcast. The only, <laughs> like, the main difference would be the audio quality throughout the years. Yeah. But you could get pretty much any of us to say just about anything. I'm sure you could get me to say literally anything at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and it would sound like I said it on the game Cola podcast, but like, like being able to take all of this stuff and be able to do it in a way that was feasible and in a way that ended up making a product that could take advantage of all of that content, I think speaks to, you know, I don't know if, like as an indie developer, do they have to get like investments mm. at this scale? Like, are they yeah. working with that? Are they working purely off of their own revenue? If they had to get investments before, does the success of Hades mean that they can focus more on just what they want to do internally and not have to rely as much on any outside support that they may have had? I don't know exactly how it works, but I feel like whatever they do next will be significantly influenced by Hades. Yeah. Just like, as it sounds like from what you're saying, like the success of Bastion really influenced the next few games that they made to the point that it kind of felt like they were Bastion three and four. Well, I, I, I guess I don't want to say that they're just like, uh, you know, either riding on the coattails of their old game or that they don't have right. any ideas or something like that. But like, um, I guess if this is a style of game that they enjoy creating and that they do well, it's like saying that that Squaresoft makes a bunch of RPGs, you know, like it's right. But like what I'm what I'm adding is like each next game is clearly informed by the success of Bastion. You can see the successes that they had in Bastion and how they oh, wanted okay. to incorporate that into their other games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whereas I feel like Hades is a little bit more new in terms of like the kind of idea that they're tackling, though I'm sure there's still lessons that they learned from Bastion in there. It's not as... Yeah. It seems like they were trying to, to move away from a style that they had been working on before. And it's not a huge leap in genre. Right, like yeah. the minute-to-minute -minute gameplay of Hades is pretty similar to what I've seen of Bastion. It's yeah. just the macro, the micro cycle is the, very similar, but the macro cycle is very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the the that scale. Yeah, no, I, I guess so, I I thought at first that you were saying like, uh, oh well, Bastion sold well, so let's make another one of those. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but I get like, it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> when something works really well. From an indie standpoint, like, they definitely want to use that, right? You get, like, you need, like, as an indie developer, you kind of need some sort of signature yeah. thing so that people recognize you the next time you make a video <laughs> game. Yeah. Especially because they probably, like, they probably won't remember your name. I always forget their name. <laughs> no offense to them, I'm just bad at remembering names of things. But, yeah. like... When I hear like, oh, by the same people that made Bastion, like, I'm be like, oh, yeah. So then that, that sort of connects it. And so you want to be able to make that connection still. 
Yeah. The other thing you could do is just keep making the one game that you made that was really popular and continue doing that forever. And people seem to like that just as well, <laughs> as might be noted by the fact that there is, as I posted in the Game Cold Discord earlier, a Stardew Valley board game <laughs> that just was announced and available. Did you guys see that link that I posted? Yeah, it was also tagged in an, tagged in it on Twitter by another friend. <laughs> I would really think that they would have made the the guy would have made Stardew Valley two at this point. <laughs> I don't know, like I you don't want to just copy the success, but also like you know Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing and all those things had like multiple games in the mm-hmm. series, and like you know so you got like different characters. But if it's working, it's working, I guess, right? Like, what am I to say? Yeah, I I do feel like this happens um, with a lot of indie games, though, just kind of generally that if a developer gets a hit game, that it then just turns into that's their game for the next five to ten years and that they don't really make anything else. They just focus on uh, bug fixes and merchandising. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, I mean, like, Stardew Valley has expanded its content significantly. Yeah, well, and I, I guess that's part of what I'm saying is, like, uh, keep people playing the game that already works rather than try to make something new. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't say that I blame them exactly. Uh, I guess from a uh, consumer side, uh, that it, it disappoints me slightly. I would like to see some more games. But, like, what was it, Yacht Club Games finally recently released something other than Shovel Knight. <laughs> you know? Um, which is not to say that Shovel Knight is a bad game, but it's like, oh yeah, they made Shovel Knight. What else have they done? Uh, the different DL... And, like, the DLC expansions to Shovel Knight were pretty, like, robust, right? Like, they were basically games with this... different games with the same graphics. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, the, the Mega Man line of... Uh, <laughs> You know how I feel about Mega Man, so it wasn't much of a problem for me. Yeah. Um, but no, um, so, what was it? Uh, Cyber Shadow, there we go, is the game that uh, just came out. Title sounds very cool. Yeah, um, it, it looks really cool. Um, they've definitely, uh, again, uh, like we were just talking about with Supergiant, they've taken uh, the money that they made from Shovel Knight and you know, dumped a significant amount into uh, making the best game that they could for their... Uh, Mm-hmm. I guess it's not exactly their second game. It looks like they did come out with uh, Azure Striker Gunvolt? No, they, oh, okay. I think they, they may have collaborated. Okay. Shovel Knight is in that. Oh, okay, actually, yeah, list of <laughs> and games. And maybe they also... It looks like it's the same story for this, actually, that they're the publisher, they're not the developer. Oh, they published it? Okay, I mean, I know, that's Inti Creates, which we could go into all of that, too, Jetty, because um, if we just want to pivot now... Because you it... played Blaster Master Zero oh, and Blaster where... Master Zero Two. Yeah, that's where I know the name. Right? Of T- yeah. Um, oh no, and it, it's also um, hold on, Mighty Number no. Nine, right? So yeah, so I don't remember. Did we talk about this on the podcast with you? No, because you weren't on the one where I talked about Mega Man Zero. So Inti Creates started as well. They were ex Capcom employees, and then they made two really bad games that didn't look good at all. I looked at them; and they didn't. They looked. <laughs> Not great. Um, and then they basically said Capcom and Inafune, Keiji Inafune came in and said, you're going to make Mega Man Zero now. And they're like, well, 
people will buy those. So yes, mm-hmm. so they would develop them and then Capcom would publish them. So they made the Mega Man Zero and ZX series, which is on that legacy collection that I played uh, and talked about on the last podcast. Um, and then they made Mega Man 9 and 10. So I didn't realize, like, they made eight Mega Man games. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, Mega Man ceased to be um, in 2010 because Keiji Inafune left. And that is overtly cited as the reason that Mega Man stopped for a while. Also, perhaps the reasons that Inafune left were the reasons that Mega Man also maybe stopped working out so well. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was a little bit more complicated than that. But then, you know, we had the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter, yeah. which I think was announced in like 2013. Something like that. Something like that. And then Comcept, which was the company that Inafune made after leaving Capcom, was the publisher. And Inti Creates was once again the developer. So it was just, it was not that different from when they were making Mega Man games. Yeah. Like, it was basically just the same people, but then Mighty Number no. 9 wasn't very good. <laughs> um, and then there was also the whole Red Ash thing, right? Where they oh, yeah. set up the next Kickstarter before Mighty Number no. 9 came out. And everyone was like, we already have concerns about the fact mm-hmm. that Mighty Number no. 9 has been delayed and you were the most successful Kickstarter in the history of Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and then now you're asking us to fund another game before we can see what you did with the first one that we funded. Yeah. So that's suspicious. Um, and then it failed and then it got funded by a different company instead. And so that was a whole mess. Um, but then later they made the Blaster Master games. Yeah. Which I, I didn't, somehow I didn't make the connection that it was, uh, the same people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, it, with a company like that, it's like, is it the literal same people or were yeah. they all working on different projects and stuff? Yeah. You know, I think, and then the, so the Azure Striker Gunvolt and the Mighty Gunvolt games, to my understanding, are also like, sim, seem like extensions to the Mega Man Zero and ZX sort of, like, gameplay style. Like, it's them basically taking those same mechanical frameworks and developing them with their own IP, which is why once I finish my current thing, which is getting all the achievements in the two Mega Man collections that I have, and then maybe also I might dip in... I don't know, I'm either going to move on to the Azure Striker series, or the Gunvolt series, I don't know what you would call it, (laughs) um... Or I'm going to play Mega Man X 5 through 8, which I'm definitely going to do at some point in my life. But also, like, I hear that most of those games aren't actually very good. But they are Mega Man. Yeah. So, like, I have to play them at some point. I thought you were <laughs> so going to... So I might as well just do it. I thought you were going to say you were going to play Blaster Master Zero. No. <laughs> no, I don't have... I played Blaster Master original yeah. in what, some sort of thing, and I did not enjoy it very much. So I'm not particularly interested in the game, even though I'm pre- I'm sure it's much better yeah. and it's remixed, remastered, whatever. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Cool. Anna, what games have you been playing in recent times? Anna's Depression Game of the Month is Spirit Fair, and it's really good, and it's cute, and uh, also sad. Um, mm. There's more swearing in it than I was ready for, but mm-hmm. I'm not upset about it. Um, but it's very, it's a very good game. It's uh, it feels a little like something that's that studio ghibli would do 
just a little bit with uh the with the animals that you're taking uh, taking care of i guess is a good way to put it mm-hmm. um you are taking people to their final rest um but you have to do stuff for them first and they live on your boat <laughs> and uh yeah it, it's it's a good game it's cute and you have a cat and you can farm <laughs> and fish and you can farm on a boat yeah you can farm on the boat um <laughs> i have sunflower seeds right now or my sunflowers are done growing uh i have some other vegetables and some fruit trees most of the goodbyes i don't feel too sad about there was only one that really got me uh because i feel kind of sad and sensitive towards uh things like dementia and alzheimer's so that kind of played into one of the one of the goodbyes where at the end the character didn't remember who you were and thought you were her daughter until the very end where she's just like oh you're not her and i was like Oh, no. mm-hmm. but it's it's a very cute game it's very good i don't know how many more times i can say cute without uh <laughs> just ruining the word for everyone till it sounds like nothing but yeah that's what i've been playing lately also hades i guess <laughs> <laughs> joseph what have you been playing i already said i've been playing Mega Man x and getting all the achievements and oh. there's not much more to say about it i guess it's the same games that I played before. My opinions have not changed that much. Um, I am now like looking at weaknesses and walkthroughs when I don't know where something is, as opposed to the first time I played through all the games where I tried not to look at a walkthrough unless I was really stuck or I just was not having fun at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, even then I try to just look up enough to, to figure out like, is this, am I doing something wrong or is the game just like this? That was like zero one was very like, am I playing the game mm-hmm. wrong? And the answer is like kind of, but not really. Just use save assist. Um, the, the the issue with this that sort of starts in Mega Man, some of Mega Man X and develops into a full bone problem in Mega Man Zero is that the games start to be balanced around systems that you are not informed of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Mega Man Zero has a combo system, right? Because you think in a lot of games like Mega Man, you hit an enemy, right? And then you have to wait a bit before you can hit the enemy again. Yeah. So, and it flashes during that. In Mega Man Zero, there are a lot of ways where you can do additional damage after the first thing. Yeah. And if you're just sitting there waiting, then you're just like making the game... Wasting a lot of time. ...harder for yourself... Yeah, And the enemies have like six times the health that you do. They have like three health bars and also their health bars are twice the size of yours mm-hmm. at the beginning. So the games are really hard if you play them thinking that you can only get in one hit yeah. per a flashing thing. But like it's not even just that there's a hidden combo system, but it's a hidden combo system that changes a little bit every game. Yeah. And the game does nothing to tell you about it. Yeah. As you were discussing on the Game Cola Discord channel. Yes, yes, I talked about it. There's a lot of wacky Like, story-wise, the Mega Man Zero games definitely feel like a series. But, like, in terms of, like, just the literal moment-to-moment gameplay, Zero 1 and 2 feel like the alpha and beta for Zero 3. 
Like, it feels like they're learning what works and doesn't work in these actual, like, like by making the video game and then releasing it. When, like, really, this should have been fixed in, like, the initial development stages of, oh, this doesn't work, we need to fix it. Right? In the first Zero game, you don't, I think I said this already, but, like, you get, like, this currency... And you don't get enough of it to use any of the power-ups that the narrative discourages you from using anyway, but that's a completely separate point. But you don't, like, get enough currency to actually use the power-ups. And then they fix that in two, but that's, like, they should have, if the development was proper, they should have fixed it. That should have been something that they could have fixed the first time around. But I'm guessing they didn't have a lot of time because I've been doing a lot of, like, now that I know I've played more of these Mega Man games, I can, like, look into more of, like, the development history and developer interviews. And one of the things that I see pop up a lot post-Mega Man X is there is a lot of initial pre-planning that does not, like, well, not pre-planning, but, like, concept stage yeah. and, like, pre-development. Yeah. And then... That leads to certain elements getting really, really overdevelopment and certain elements getting literally no attention. Yeah. Like, there's an interview with the current producer of the Mega Man series, the guy who's basically doing Keiji Inafune's role in modern Mega Man since uh, 2018, at least. And he worked on Mega Man 7 as like a game developer, as like a programmer. And he talked about how in the three months they had to make Mega Man 7, which I want to put in addendum, because mm-hmm. I said... Oh, there's three months between the release of Mega Man X2 and Mega Man 7. So those were probably different teams. No, it was the same team and they just did it in three months. <laughs> and before the team got it, there was a lengthy period where they were working with the other group, Minakuchi Engineering, who was like a collaborative studio through a lot of the Game Boy games and some other Mega Man games at that point. And so, like, he was talking about how, like, and he didn't name any names, but, like, you can figure it out from other things. Um, Like, there was a lot of arguing back and forth about certain elements of the games um, in the pre-production stage. And then he starts talking about the developing stage where he was like, oh, yeah, we were given, like, a ton of information about the robot masters and the bosses and nothing about how we should make the levels. Yeah. And it's like, that feels, like that issue feels like it gets exacerbated over the course of the series where zero has these really cool ideas and concepts and characters that are engaging. And then the video game feels like people are trying to figure out how to make the video game as the series is happening. Mm -hmm. And there's only Mm -hmm. one year between each game in the series and they all use identical graphics. A lot of them reuse like locations. Even there's like a home base where you do all of your stuff from, and that's just the exact same in two of the games. Yeah. And so that's sort of the impression that I've got, but I really want to understand, like, all of it. I probably won't ever make a video Mm. game, but I like to think that someday maybe I would. And it would definitely be a game like Mega Man. And so understanding what works and doesn't work in those sorts of things is just something that I like to do. So that's sort of been my approach and why i should play x5 through x8 even though i'm concerned that they're not going to be very good did i ever that's what i keep hearing did i ever talk about the anecdote i heard about uh one of the nascar games and its development maybe but i would be happy for you to repeat it that like in the center of the the donut of like uh the racetrack 
underground beneath the grass uh there is a very tiny uh football field goal because they built it on the engine for Madden uh something something <laughs> and they were like if we remove the field goal the game does not start <laughs> So they just, like, put it underground where you can't see it, like, under the racetrack, beneath the grass, very small. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Sorry, as you were discussing, like, oh yeah, they very hurriedly just built this on top of existing stuff using existing assets. Uh, I was reminded of this tale that I heard once upon a time on Twitter, the most reliable of websites for game development information. Right. Um, and I, I want to maybe couch some initial things like, well, Mega Man NES used the same graphics for all the things. It's like the characters, yes, but like they didn't necessarily reuse like anything aside from the characters, right? Like yeah. Mega Man looks the same, but you never play like, oh, this is just, you know, Cutman stage yeah, again. Yeah. And right. Or like, even like, you know, the stage select, like obviously the structure of it is very similar, but it's like, at least overtly different. Sometimes it's a little gaudy, but like mm -hmm. they do change it. Um, and there's not really anything exactly like that, like the base and the zero games, but like that, that, that was sort of like, okay, these people aren't being given enough time or guidance to make these games properly until they get to zero three, where they kind mm -hmm. of are able to bring everything together into something fun. And then zero four, they didn't want to make, but they were, <laughs> they had to. So they just sort of. <laughs> came up with other ideas and zero four has a lot of like this is just in here to be a different thing <laughs> like there's weather in the levels mm -hmm. and you can pick what weather you go to and the weather will make it easier but you'll lose more points and you don't get the special ability and it's like well then why would you <laughs> if, if it's yeah easier but then you can never get the special ability then that actually makes the game harder overall so you're not just punishing, like, with score, which doesn't really mean anything. But now you're making, oh, you take the easy route? Well, we're going to make the game harder because you did that. It's like, mm, I don't think that's how yeah, making, making the game, game playable for everyone yeah. works. But they had a lot of issues. Man, you should read, I've also been reading Mega Man interviews mm -hmm. um, for this. And, like, the, the stark contrast between reading interviews about Mega Man 9 and 10 and mm -hmm. then Mega Man 11... Man, it's like what makes a in Mega Man Nine Ten like what makes a Mega Man game a Mega Man game is that it's hard. It's really hard, and it's hard for people to do it. And we put it in easy mode, but the game's hard. <laughs> and then Mega Man Eleven is like we really want a Mega Man game that like everyone could enjoy, <laughs> both old and new fans. And I'm like, I wonder why I like Mega Man Eleven better than Mega Man Nine and Ten. Yeah. Maybe it's because the easy mode isn't like, oh, do you need these baby platforms to keep you from dying? Yeah. Here's the baby platform. Here's the power-up that refills everything for you because you need the baby help. Yeah. That sounds pretty so, cool. Those are some <laughs> opinions about Mega Man that I have this month. Tune in to the next podcast to hear more things that I have to say about Mega Man. Jetty, what video games have you been playing in recent times? Um... Actually, the uh, uh, on topic, the video game I've been playing has been uh, video game development. Mm. Yeah. I haven't I've heard been... of that. What system is it on? PC. <laughs> Isn't that Dreams? Is that the game that you're talking about? Dreams? 
Is that the Isn't one? Isn't there a the... game called Dreams that's like a level creator or like a game maker and like people make a bunch of like, it's Mauro and he does the jump. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. I mean, probably. I guess I'm thinking, what was the one with the, it was on Dreamcast and it had like a jester character. Oh, you're thinking about like, that's a different kind of Dreams. I think it has the name Dream or no, in the it's title, like but I... Night something i don't know anyway the the mm -hmm. point is i've been um going back to game maker studio and uh working on video games Woo. again mm -hmm. yeah it's pizzerian cool. the rpg yeah well pizzerian dx uh the the game boy color version <laughs> the director's cut of pizzerian just happens to be in J a jrpg yeah <laughs> I, I guess that's the thing is like, I'm at the point of like, oh yeah, I get to develop what the concept of an item is. What, what makes an item? What, what goes into that? And how do I store it? Mm -hmm. And how do I load it? All these fun things that you don't really think about at first. And then it's like, oh yeah, there's like 18 different steps into what makes an item and how to even get to the point where you're able to think about what's needed for an item. Mm -hmm. And how do you tell the reason why the brackets in your font are two points larger than all of the other characters in your font? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, trying to figure out why all of my text was uh, four pixels lower than I <laughs> was telling it to be. <laughs> uh, the Adventures in Game Development. That's mm -hmm. That's been the game that I've been playing as of late. Very nice. It is exciting. You can... Come and talk to me on the Discord about it, should you feel so inspired, oh listener. <laughs> oh listener. Oh listener. Oh listener. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Wow. It's yes. a good one. Um, <laughs> oh listener, oh listener, there's other game cool things that you can partake in. I can't believe you do Like Hex and Slash and the, the videos on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, there's other stuff, it's probably. Fabulous. Please do not bash <laughs> us on iTunes. Yeah. Oh, listener, oh, listener. Email us at podcast at gamecola.net. Follow us on Twitter okay, and Facebook. Just search gamecola. GC.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net. That's the YouTube channel. Find us on Discord. The link is in the Twitter bio description. Okay, now bust out and the on ukulele. the website, the actual internet website, the ukulele is across the room. I don't feel like getting it. <laughs> also, I don't know how to play this song on the ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this edition of the Game Cole Podcast. Yeah, thank you for listening very to us singing. Thank you for listening yeah. <laughs> to this point. <laughs> it's been a long day for me, okay? Cut me some podcast slack. Some slack and hash. Ha hash we need to end this podcast. <laughs> we need to do it now. It's falling apart. The podcast is falling apart. Thank you, Thank you for listening. <laughs> goodbye. Have a good time wherever it is, whenever it is you're listening to this. Goodbye. Bye.
Anna almost didn't say goodbye. Mm. She doesn't like the listeners. She doesn't want to have them a goodbye. 